0: Once again, good morning. I am continuing the first Thessalonian sermon series this morning, and I want to take advantage of every second of time that we have this morning. So I'm going to jump right in to the reading of the scripture this morning. If you've got your copy of God's word, I'd encourage you to open it to the book of first Thessalonians. We're going to be in chapter two this morning, going to be tackling the first 12 verses if you don't have your bible with you it will be up on the screen you can read along there but as i often ask you to do if you are physically able to stand this morning would you stand right now to honor the reading of god's word god's word tells us for you yourselves know brothers that our coming to you was not in vain Because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Father, now I pray that you will open our minds, allow us to step into the scriptures this morning. Father, I pray that your word will come alive in each of our hearts. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will drop on this place, and I pray that you will do great and mighty things. And Father, as I do often, as I preach, I pray that you will simply just move me out of the way and allow them to see you and it's in your name I pray amen. you may be seated. now on the screen right now I have got an image and some of you are going to identify immediately with this uh, these two characters that are on the screen right now. It is from the tv series mash it ran from one thousand nine hundred and seventy two to one thousand nine hundred and eighty three and on your left is a character that was called Father Mulcahy. And if you have seen this TV series, in fact, you can still see it on some networks, you probably remember Father Mulcahy. He's typically kind, he's gentle, and maybe we would refer to him as being marginal. Now, on the right side of your screen is the character that was portrayed that was called Hawkeye. Pretty much a polar opposite to Father Mulcahy. You see, he was outspoken. He was unconventional. He was carousing. And most likely, when you're thinking about that TV series, most of you probably remember more about Hawkeye than you do Father Mulcahy. Even though Father Mulcahy was kind, gentle, gentle, Maybe, perhaps, marginal. And you know, that's how many people view the church today. Nice, but not necessary. Nice, but not necessary. Good, perhaps, but maybe disconnected. That's how the world most often views the church. Now, as we start today, I want to remind you Chapter 1 of this book showed us a glimpse of what a model church actually looks like. We saw that in the first sermon in this series. Now chapter 2 gives us a model for Christian leadership. Paul shows us what this should look like. Not only does he describe what it looks like, he lives it, he demonstrates it. Now, if you have been to our membership class, we call it GBC 101. One of the things that we point out in that class is that Brother Blake and I are your shepherds. We are your shepherds. However, we fully believe that each member is called to be a minister. Each each member is called to minister to the body of Christ, and to meet their needs. We see in Scripture that all believers are called to have the same mindset. We see that in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7, where God's Word tells us there, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. I wonder this morning, how often do we take the form of a servant? How often do we desire to even take the form of the servant? When we look at the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, the one whom we follow His ministry demonstrated that of one of a servant and therefore we should do the exact same thing. So as we look at this text for this morning, I'm going to tell you right at the beginning what the big idea, what the big idea is. I don't want you to go all through the sermon and wonder what it is. Hopefully everything in this morning's sermon will point back to this central thought. First of all, we must seek God's approval in what we do, not man's approval. We must seek God's approval in what we do, not man's approval. So what difference does that make? Why is it important to have that thought process? Here's, here's what it is. When we do this, it allows us to view the outcome much differently. Much differently. You know, I would love to have a 100% success rate in people I minister to, in people that I present the gospel to accepting Jesus Christ. However, that's not how it usually works. Usually not 100% of the people that I share with accept Jesus. At least if they do, my eyes are not seeing it. You know, Sunday after Sunday when Brother Blake and I preach, and sometimes there's little or no response, sometimes that can be discouraging. But you know, when we look past that, and we realize that we're serving God and not man... We realize that we can't save anybody. It's only Jesus that can save. We've got to be obedient to preach the messages that Jesus gives us. And then He will do the rest. Our eyes may or may not see it. But we've got to get to the point that we view our actions in light of eternity. What am I doing for the kingdom of Jesus Christ? And how does it matter? Galatians 1.10 tells us, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I want, to know, I can, I want you to know, I can tell you from personal experience, it's really easy to fall into the trap of trying to please men, of trying to please society. Please don't fall for that. Please do not fall from that, for that. Who you need to please is Jesus Christ, Him and Him only. So as we go back to our text this morning, one of the points that I want you to walk away with this morning, realizing is that we must spread the gospel, even when it's not easy. Even when it's not easy. And I'll tell you folks, most of the time it's not going to be easy. Now, many times it's not anywhere nearly as difficult as what we're going to see Paul experienced here, but still, many times when we present the gospel, it is not easy. Paul begins in verses 1 and 2, and he reminds the people. He says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. It was not in vain. Now, when you hear the rest of the story, it becomes easy to understand that the only reason that Paul could make a statement like this is that he is viewing it in light of eternity. He is viewing it in light of eternity. Perhaps if my eyes or your eyes had seen and endured those things that Paul and his team had endured, we might have deemed it a total failure. A total failure. It wasn't easy. But Paul is reminding them here, but you know, you know that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. Much conflict. Now, for the last three weeks on Wednesday night, I've been leading a study that's an introduction to apologetics. And one of the things we've talked about each of those three weeks so far is that when we step out and we attempt to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we step out and we attempt to defend our faith, we will find ourselves in conflict. Period. We will find ourselves in conflict. In the middle of conflict. Because guess what? Not everybody believes the same way we do. Not everybody believes the same way we do. And they're going to defend what they believe. But we should be able to do that. Just like the scriptures tell us. We should be able to do it with gentleness and respect. But I wonder, back to our text today. When we find ourselves in one of those situations where we are in conflict do we allow that to diminish our boldness at all in sharing? Now, if we're being honest, many times the answer is probably yes. Because it sounds like we're almost, society trains us, don't, don't have anything to do with controversy. Just, just step back. Don't say anything. Folks, I'm going to tell you, there's times that Jesus does not want you to step back. Jesus wants you to defend the faith. I wonder this morning, I wonder this morning, Are you defending it? Are you defending the faith? And does your boldness diminish when you find yourself in the middle of conflict? Acts 17, 1 through 3 gives us a real good snapshot of what he's talking about in this conflict. Verse 1 Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. Now, before I advance to the next uh, number of verses in this particular passage, I want to make sure that we get this. How many times did Paul have this reasoning with them? Three, right? Not once, not twice. He did it on three different Sabbath days. He's given us an example here that it's it's not supposed to be a one and done. It's not supposed to be one and done. It's is—it's a thing we're supposed to share till Jesus tells us not to. Is it always easy? No, it probably was not easy. It definitely was not easy for Paul. Many times it will not be easy for us either. Now, many of you have heard Brother Blake and me both share that there are certain pastors that we follow. We listen to their sermons each and every week. And there's one in particular that I follow, and I I can't hardly wait to hear him preach every week. I, I listen to him through podcasts. It's one of the ways that the Lord allows Brother Blake and me to be fed, is through listening to other men preach. But sometime over the last year, I heard this man give an illustration in one of his sermons He said there was somewhere there was a a Baptist minister that reached out to share the gospel with this woman, and he quickly found out that she was an atheist. She quickly, he quickly found out that she was an atheist. So you can just draw the assumption right there that they would have agreed on basically nothing. On basically nothing. And you know, that could have been a situation where he just said, you know, this one is too difficult for me. God's going to have to change her before I can do anything. And you know, that's that's often how we see the door out, see the way out. This one's too difficult for me, so God's going to have to change them before I can do anything. Never forget that God may want to use you right where you are as His hands and His feet. Don't close the door if God hadn't closed it. If God has not closed that door, don't you do it either. What happened? This pastor and his wife prepared a meal for this woman. Even though she was an atheist and they didn't agree on basically anything. They prepared a meal for her and invited her into their home to sit around their dining room table. They didn't just do it once. They did it weekly for several years weekly for several years. I wonder how often do we invite people into our homes? Even people that we know, even people that we have a relationship with. How often do we invite atheists into our homes so they can see the love of Jesus? How often do we do that? We need to be doing that. I need to be doing that. You need to be doing that and see what happened over a period of years years of her going to their home for a meal the Lord saved her the Lord saved her and it was that complete transformation like we say so many times if if the Lord truly saves you people won't have to ask if you're saved your life will indicate it your life will indicate it People should not have to wonder if we're Christians or not. That woman, it didn't stop there. She started doing the same thing. And many, many people have come to know Jesus Christ as the result of her testimony. All because one pastor and his wife refused to walk away. They refused to walk away. I wonder how eager, how eager... Are we to tell people about Jesus, especially in those times when it is not easy? Going back to just giving you a picture of what Paul and his team were going through. Verse 4 of Acts 17. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, Set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another King Jesus. Now, folks, had that been us, had we been dragged out, how eager would we have been to press on? Or would we have wanted to walk away? But remember, given this, Paul is describing to these people, now remember, our coming to you was not in vain. He could have only said that because he is viewing what has happened to him in light of eternity. How might our lives be, look differently if we view the, our situations in the light of eternity as well? It would look greatly different. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So what's our motive when we share? What is our motive when we share? Folks, it's got to be all about Christ. It has got to be all about Christ. Now, if you have spent any time at all with Brother Blake or me, you know we are going to encourage you to share your faith. We are going to challenge you to share your faith. And we if we get the opportunity, we're going to ask you if you have. And you could easily fall into the trap of sharing because you know you're going to be asked. Folks, that can't be your motive. You can't, that can't be your motive. Our motive for sharing Jesus has to be Christ. It has to be Christ. And uh, the desire for us not to see anybody die and go to hell, that's got to be our motive. Look in, in verse 3. For our Our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel... So we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Now I want to quickly just cover just this intent to deceive, especially by using words a flattery have you ever known a smooth talker maybe one that would just come up and initiate a conversation with you that probably doesn't normally talk to you and i like that outfit you've got on today you've done something different with your hair you've lost weight and before you know it they've got you sucked in Many times they want you to buy something, or, or it's, it's usually some type of separate motive. Folks, I'm going to tell you, we can't do stuff like that when we are expecting to share Jesus. They've got to see a valid person. They've got to see a real person. We cannot use words of flattery to try to get them to come to Jesus Christ. We cannot do that. One of the reasons we can't, we need to be concerned that God's our witness. God's our witness. He's got to know the motive of our, of our hearts. He does know the motive of our hearts. And then verse 6 says, nor do we seek glory from people. And again, that goes back to our main point. of we, we need to be seeking the will of God in our life, not the will of man. We don't need to, we don't need to be worried about pleasing people. Because, you know, if we live our lives for ourselves, if we live our lives for anyone other than God, we're going to want that glory. We're going to want that glory. I showed up on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Any other time they asked me, I, I, I. We want somebody to notice it if we are, if we are serving for the glory of people instead of the glory of Christ. Folks, if we're serious about serving, if we're serious about our relationship with Christ, we will be motivated by Christ only. Christ only, not for any other reason. And we will not care whether anyone notices or not that we've done um, that act of service. I wonder, what is our motive? Folks, we've got to serve as an example. Paul starts verse 7 and says, We were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Does that strike anybody besides me odd? When I think of Paul, I think of his incredible boldness, his incredible boldness. It's so hard for me to even imagine him as a gentleman, although he was, and by him using this language like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. That just doesn't seem to fit with my mental image of Paul. But you know what? This is part of God's Word. It is true. Paul had a gentle side. He had a gentle side. Now that did not diminish his boldness at all. Nor should it diminish yours. But we have got to be willing to meet people where they are to meet them where they are, realizing that they may not agree with us. We may not agree with them. But we have got to get to the point where we can love people in the name of Jesus and still not compromise the Bible. Never, ever should we compromise the Word of God. But folks, we have got to love people. We have got to love people. And so many times, our earthly minds want to want to have a dialogue with ourselves like this, that they've done something horrible. They've done something truly horrible. And somehow in that very moment, we're trying to make our sin not quite as bad as theirs. Do we realize that? When we have that dialogue with ourselves, what we are really saying is, my sin was bad, but it's not as bad as theirs. And we need to realize that our sin sent Jesus to the cross. Our sin sent Jesus to the cross. We have got to serve as an example. We've got to love people in the name of Jesus Christ. And again, that doesn't mean agreeing with them. It does not mean agreeing with them, nor does it ever mean compromising the gospel. But we have got to be able to love them. Verse 8, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. How anxious are we to share ourselves with others? I realize that many of you have extremely busy schedules. You can barely keep up with yourself, much less give yourself away. But how anxious are we to share our own selves with others. Not just on Sunday mornings. Not just on Sunday nights. Not just on Wednesday nights. How anxious are we to share ourselves with others? Verse 9. For you remember, brothers, you, you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Your witnesses and God also. How holy... And righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. And as we prepare to wind down, this this is one of the things I want to leave you with today. How holy, how righteous and blameless is my conduct. How holy and righteous and blameless is your conduct never forget that people are watching you people are watching you you realize that the outside world that does not come to church they are watching you in the hopes that you're going to mess up and give them a reason not to come if they see you acting on monday through saturday the same way they do or worse why would they want to come Do the words holy, righteous, and blameless describe your conduct? I hope so. I hope so. I want to challenge you. Let those be words that mark your lives. Holy, righteous, and blameless. Because you know, you're going to stand before Jesus one day. You're going to give an account for those things. Will He say that you're holy, righteous, and blameless? in his sight remember we should be seeking god's approval not a, not man's his is the opinion who matters verse 11 for as you, for you know how like a father with his children we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of god who calls you into his own kingdom and glory one of the things that Brother Blake and I want to do, we want to exhort you. We want to encourage you. We want to charge you. Why? To walk in a manner worthy of God. Because you realize we're going to give an account for you. Do you realize that? Brother Blake and I are going to give an account for you. That's a serious thing. So you, you better believe we want to charge you. We want to encourage you. We want to walk with you in a manner that is worthy of God. That's our desire this morning. I wonder if it's yours. Now I realize this morning, anytime time that we have a group of people together, most always somebody is struggling with something. That is life. We're going to have an opportunity here in a moment. You can come forward and lay that burden at the altar. And you can leave it there. You can truly leave it there. Now, There are others of you this morning that perhaps you have never made the decision to follow Jesus. Today's the day. Folks, life can be so short. We got such an example of that two weeks ago today. Of how short that life can truly be of how uncertain that life can truly be don't think it can't be you don't pretend that you can get in your car and drive home and everything's going to be fine you may not make it home and folks i certainly never want to scare you into accepting jesus but i do want you to realize that if you don't know jesus there is nothing that you can do There is nowhere else that you can go that would be more important than giving your life to Jesus right here and right now. And I pray that you will come. I pray that you will come during this invitation. And perhaps there's others of you that realize that GBC is the place for you. And as you want to unite with this church... As a, as a member of this church, we encourage you to come forward. Brother Blake and I want to talk to you. And one of the things that we cover in the membership class, if God has called you here, there is a place for you here, and there is a place for you to serve here. And we will encourage you to do so, and we will rejoice with you as you come. But I pray, don't don't say no to Jesus today. Don't sit in your seat if Jesus is wanting you to come forward, whether it's to lay a burden at the altar, whether it's to ask Him for salvation, or whether it's to unite with this church as a member, or anything in between, this altar is open. Brother Corey, would you come? Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank You for the day that You've given us. Father, thank You for Your Word. Father, I pray that we will always be found living our lives for You and not for men. Father, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit will simply move in this place. Father, I pray that decisions will be made. I pray that you will be glorified. And Father, I pray that you will just move in a mighty way this morning. I pray that you will be forever glorified. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This is Tide Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.